This is Paul Nobles from Eat Inform, and I am here today with my two trusty cohorts, uh, Becky Avara. Becky is the, the lead of coaching here at Eat Inform, and Carolyn Mele, who uh, is the person that will be running the Q&A. So we've talked about this a little bit, where um, actually we talked about this in our last podcast. So they, they serve two separate roles. Um, one of the things that happens in these member um, type uh, Q A's, there's some things that are more coaching related than they are um, Q and A related. So that's sort of what Becky's role is. And so um, kind of keep that in mind, but these are great ways to, um, kind of get thoughts, concerns, you know, support, basic understanding that we do, you know, twice a month. Um, we do one for regular members and then one for lifetime members. And because we just had a huge lifetime push, we have a lot of people on this call, which is always fun. And so this is the people that have basically been with Eat to Perform for many years. I can see some people on the call that, that signed up in 2015. So, you know, um, for those that don't know, we actually celebrate our 10th anniversary on February 12th. So um, that's really fun and not exactly sure what we're going to do to celebrate, but um, it's probably going to be a year-long celebration, I will tell you that. All right, so what I want to get into, and make sure that you get your uh, questions into Carolyn ahead of time, because that, that often tells us how to um, get into the topic. Um, or how long we should stay into the topic. I will tell you, we did a podcast on this on Thursday. And so you might benefit from listening to that. What I want to do for this one is to talk about the changes to fat loss cycles as it relates to Clients like yourself that have been around for a while, that know how to run a good PR session, are comfortable, you know, using AP. Um, and so if you're listening to this, basically AP is like the transition from dieting cycles to normal, normal calories. Um, PR stands for performance slash recon. So if you're a runner, it might mean more performance to you. Um, if you're a weightlifter, it might mean more recomp to you. But in general, what's happening in that moment is calories are moving back to normal. And so hopefully that is helpful to everyone in understanding how everything works here at Eat and Perform. It's so interesting because when you look at uh, the way that normal dieting programs work, this concept of, of cycles, I'm not going to say that we're the only ones that invented it, but we are certainly the only ones that invented it. I mean, I literally just saw a post 
where someone was talking about um, a maintenance cycle at 2,200 calories. We've been talking about that for 10 years, right? And so it's good to see some people that are a little bit smarter kind of catching up to where we're at. But this is this is how you build muscle, right? And so when we look at a recomp cycle, that's sort of the goal is to get energy up to a certain point. And, um, and, and with that volume, you're able to put on muscle as long as you kind of have a smarter approach. But, but even, the reason why we put performance and recomp together is because they can kind of work hand in glove if you need them to. Right. So if you, you know, do just running, which there's no rule against it, right, then your calories will move up pretty aggressively because some of the highest calories that we have within each form are our, you know, cardio people. And uh, at that point, the energy basically is muscle preserving. And this is all important as it as a qualifier to what I'm about to talk about which is the changes to fat loss cycle, why they're doing it, or why we're doing it, and, and what they tend to serve. So right now, um, I'm sure everyone's familiar that we have six-week uh, six cycles as it relates to fat loss. Now, we've always had the ability to push people a little bit further than that. And so typically the, the, the way that we judge that is whether or not you are still having success. Are you losing weight? Do you feel like, you know, you can continue on things of that nature. One of the things that we definitely do not want to do is push someone all the way to the ledge so that they get to this point where they can't recover. You want to kind of get close to the ledge and that's where you want to end, right? But going all the way to the edge or ledge um, and then kind of feeling like, you know, you've just exhausted yourself or, or something of that nature. That tends to be the stage where people go, I just had to kind of go off the rails for a weekend just to get back to normal. That's not the goal, right? That said, the podcast that we did last week, we did a big qualifier on Fat, Life, fat Loss 1 because most of the people that come to us as new clients, they are not you. Right. So they're not, they haven't been in cycles. They haven't gotten those calories up to a certain point. And so I use 3,000 calories, which probably freaked out a lot of new customers. Um, but that is a good number. Um, you know, if we look at anything over 2,500 calories, you might be able. I'm 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 just gonna say it just based on what we we see. At 2,500 calories, you're gonna end at about six weeks, right? You really have to push it a little bit more than that. And then people say, well, what if you're 115 pounds, or what if you're? Sure, there are some qualifiers in that regard, but in general, 
the higher you can push it, the longer you can push it, the better results that you'll get, right? And so um, we we threw out a heavy qualifier that fat loss one, you really should expect six weeks. That is not the case for you. If you are in a PR cycle and you've really pushed it over 2,500 into 2,700, maybe to 3,000, you almost certainly can go to eight weeks as an example. Eight weeks is probably about where we, you know, first of all, it's really anywhere from two to four weeks before your body adjusts and things become really super difficult and you become at risk for losing muscle, right? So we certainly don't want to do that but we do have protocols in place that allow for that. So, so when you look at something like a Weight Watchers or a Noom, they're not as refined as it relates to protein as we are. They tend to be a little bit more calorie specific. And so they aren't necessarily going to be muscle preserving, especially when calories are at 1200, because, you know, my, my sister-in-law talks about this all the time. She's like, well, I just make sure that I get my 60 grams of protein. And, you know, she, she weighs, you know, more than 74 pounds, right? So um, she's basically going off the minimum USDA requirement so that, that you just don't blow through a bunch of muscle. But, you know, as we age, you become much more at risk for that. So when you look at your protein and you go, you know, very common for a new person to go, this is a lot of protein, right? But many of you who've been doing this for a long time understand that that is muscle preserving. And you can see a lot of recomp, right? Um, even in a deficit because you're preserving that muscle. So that's something that you really want to keep in mind. So what I want to do in explaining this to current clients and people that are serious about these cycles is, and, and that's what's great about Lifetime. This is one of the reasons why we want people to move from an average client to a lifetime client because we we want we always wanted this we always wanted to be able to have you have the right long-term approach so that you're not making decisions based on the fact that you know the cost is month to month right and so we've always made lifetime a pretty good value. I think most people would agree with that, especially people that have been with us, like I said, since 2015, um, which was the first time that we ever offered Lifetime, I believe. It might have been a little earlier than that. But um, the um, so most Lifetime clients, as long as you're pushing it or is, you know, if you're in PR for quite some time, you, you should be able to go to eight weeks, right? Now, where are scenarios where you wouldn't go to eight weeks? If we're being real here, right? Especially for lifetime clients, a lot of people come back to do a fat loss cycle, right? And so they leave and then they come back, right? 
in that instance, most people would not have just gone off the rails, right? They would have done some level of intuitive eating. And this thought process that intuitive eating, you just overconsume all the time. I think we all know by now that that's not reality, right? We're, we're managing our carbs. We're managing by a scale. We're managing through other different things. And so now we, we are making mental interventions as we go. So if you haven't shown your coach, right, that you started off at, you know, let's say 2850, then and you and you look like you're plateauing, your coach is going to pull you out to do the more correct thing, right? And the, you know, we had this discussion the other day. Um, there is, there is, is um, the correct way and then a wish, right? And then I, I think what happens for a lot of people, they go, well, you know, Paul said I could go eight weeks. Why wouldn't I just push it eight weeks? Why would you do something ineffective when you could move to something that would be more effective, right? So from my standpoint, you paid us to coach you to the more correct thing, right? And so now does that mean that you can't bully your coach or, or try and move things into you know, um, a direction that's maybe more favorable to you. Uh, probably you can, right? Kind of is coach dependent. But what I think happens in that scenario is that you end up pushing it a little bit longer than we thought, and you end up frustrated and even to a certain extent confused, right? So if we don't have a clear history or as an example, we saw that last time you were here, you know, you um, weighed 160 and now you weigh 185. That's a pretty clear indicator that you were over consuming. So we are going to give people with some significant data, you know, that's all we're basing everything on. Like when we look at the improvements that we're making to eat and form software, things of this nature, it's all data related, right? And so we're, we're trying to use as much data as we possibly can for the best solution. So in this instance, I just want to be very clear that we will push you to, to eight weeks. Beyond eight weeks, I'm going to be honest with you, we don't see that that's effective. Um, even in the case for people that have a lot of weight to lose, it's much better to run them through the cycles so that they get the long-term approach. Because even if, let's let's say that you're a man and you're 300 pounds and you're 5'8", um, and we pull you down and you're losing a lot of weight, so you're happy about that, but you kind of stall towards the end, which does happen, right? Even in Even in those instances, I talked about this in the other podcast. More often than not, when we bump up calories for that person, they're still able to lose weight. Now, are they going to lose 20 pounds like they might have lost in fat loss one? Probably not. They're probably going to lose anywhere from 10 to 15 pounds. But you know, you're still seeing progress in the case of being a 300-pound person. To be 
super honest with you, we don't get a lot of 300 pound people because more often than not, what they do is they're going to do the more simple approach, you know, keto or intermittent fasting or something of that nature before they ever show up to us. By the, the time they show up to us, they're a metabolic nightmare, right? And so um, we're tasked on fixing those problems. So let, let's talk about that for just a second, because we have a number of articles and videos coming out on that. Metabolic damage is not as complicated as people think it is. I think that there's a lot of people, especially before they come to eat reform, before they do multiple cycles, right? Because even 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 someone who, let's say, been dieting for the last twenty years, they move to eat reform. They they go through PR for three months. Three months is a good start, right? Um, but it's not necessarily going to fix all the damage. And fixing, you know, in general, is more of a degrees thing, not necessarily something that, oh, it's fixed 100%, because obviously as we age, we decline. All the hormones that make everything easy in our 20s don't exist in our 40s or 50s or 60s, right? So there's always kind of this decline. So then people say, well, yeah, but shouldn't my calories adjust? Because, you know, I can't get away with near as much as in, in my 20s. If we're all being honest with ourselves, it, you know, in our late teens and our 20s, we were probably eating 3,500 calories fairly routinely and staying somewhat weight stable, right? Because we tended to be a, bit, a little bit more active, whatever it is, you know. You do kind of hit this wall sometimes in your early 20s. Um, you know, a great example would be, you know, um, you see this with college-age students, right? So both of my daughters are in college. Um, one is a junior, one is a senior. When you go to when you go to college, it's almost hilarious seeing a freshman coming in compared to seniors right? Freshmen look like children, right? And then seniors look like adults, right? And the difference is, is that, you know, when they were teenagers, there were just all these things going on that were keeping them from sort of building the kind of muscle that they need or kind of looking like an adult. So now when you are a 22-year-old person, you're going to eat a little bit more freely, right? Um, you know, your parents may have kind of had a routine in place for you. Now you're trying to figure out whole other routines. You're using the meal plan at college or whatever. Uh, Taco Bell is freely accessible to you, and you can buy the whole menu for like $19.89, right? So, um, calories just become much more accessible. And so you see people kind of moving into maybe a version of what they're probably going to look like for the rest of their life. And then if you continue with those bad habits, obviously 
it can get real bad. Um, more often than not, though, what you see is that by sophomore and junior, um, things are kind of going off the rails because, you know, the kids are exploring their freedom. By the time they're seniors, they're hitting the gym a little bit more. They're understanding that there needs to be some activity to go along with that hypocaloric intake. And so um, we're going to move on now to basically the AP cycle. Uh, this is the real big change. The AP cycle, we're going to encourage that to be as long as possible. Um, now, I said this in the other one. I'm going to review it. Um, but, you know, I need everyone to understand that if you do a three-month AP cycle, and once again, I'm just using these numbers because they're whole numbers and they're better, uh, or they give a better understanding. If you do an AP cycle at 3,000 calories for three months, that is not superior to doing a PR cycle at 2,500 calories for two years. Right. And so I think everybody can kind of do the math there and go, yeah, it makes sense that, you know, my metabolism has had the ability to recover for a long period of time. So the one thing I don't want you to do is expect because you went to 3000 calories that you're going to lose, you know, 40 pounds. Right. Um, that's not reality. Right. The reality is is you're probably looking best case scenario at losing two pounds um, a week, you know, probably in the neighborhood of one to one and a half, you know, certainly um, you want to be able to lose more than 10. So if you've done a fat loss too, you're probably thinking to yourself, I did fat loss too, and I definitely did not lose 10, right? Well, that's why we're making this change, right? Because what I think was happening, and, and if we're all a little honest with ourselves, this is what happens, right? You come out of fat loss one, you've lost, let's say 10 to 12 pounds because you were overdoing it a little bit. And now all of a sudden you're like, okay, I wanna stay weight stable through AP. You know, you're not really pushing it. And then you want to move to fat loss too as quickly as possible, right? Well, it stands to reason that if you only get your calories up to 1,900 on average or 2,100 on average, there's just not the math in place to go from a deficit to a little bit of, I wouldn't even say a surplus. Because you can't say that 2,100 is a surplus. I think... Actually, just based on averages and things of this nature, I would say 23 to 2,500 for a woman is about break even, right? And then as you get into 2,700, 2,800, talking about active individuals here, um, that's when we're in a little bit of a surplus, not a massive surplus, but a little bit of a surplus. And so what I don't want people to do is is think that um, they're going to see this just 20 pounds of weight loss, right? 
um, because that's not reality. But what is reality is that, you know, we need to get you to a point that somewhat mimics more of what performance looks like. So then you go, well, okay, how long are you talking? Typically, I'm talking three months, right? Now, does that mean that you can't do it at two months? Sure, right? But now you're looking at six to eight pounds instead of eight to 12 pounds, right? And so it really depends on you and what your long-term goals are because, like I said in the other podcast, which, by the way, I do think, you know, went over a lot of these things in detail um, on that one. Um but what we're really trying to do is get you to the point where you're not dieting all the time, right? And so we're getting you the most success, you know, in fast one. We're getting AP, probably want to add in three to five pounds. Once again, if you want to hear the detailed explanation of that, you can go ahead. But can you get away with effort and keeping yourself weight stable as calories go up? Absolutely, you can. Um, is it best to do that? I, in the other podcast, I make the argument for three to five pounds. So go back and listen to that one because I think it was a good primer on that and why that's important. Because if you up your effort so much that you stay weight stable, you're really not allowing the metabolic benefit of having more calories, right? Giving your body the chance to build that muscle, right? So, you know, here's the interesting thing. And, and, you know, I can't remember who it was I was talking to back in the day, but we were talking about bloating. We were talking about a little bit of weight gain and we were talking about creatine. And he said, Bloating is the most misunderstood concept in or or weighing more um, is one of the most misunderstood concepts in all of um, muscle building. If you do not weigh more, you are not gaining muscle. And like he's like, that's just the way it is, you know. And so when Ever since he told me that, I've never done an AP or PR cycle the same. I never tried to stay weight stable, right? I always tried for a little bit of weight gain. Um, and, and to be completely honest with you, from a bodybuilding standpoint, you know, if you're serious about bodybuilding and serious about getting bigger, right, which, you know, I know um, for women, I would say societally, you know, there's not a lot of benefit to that. There's probably not a lot of benefit mentally. Certainly men have those similar ideas, but tends it, we tend to be rewarded for being bigger and stronger and things of that nature, right? And so um, I've talked about that a million different times. Um, if anybody has a question specific to that, I'm happy to address it. But the idea is that we're going to really push AP we're going to really work on it, on being much more proactive as it relates to these fat loss cycles so that when you hit fat loss too, you're not losing four to six pounds or six to eight pounds. We're losing another 10 or 12 pounds. And you go, well, yeah, but didn't I have to gain a little bit of weight to lose, you know, more weight in the other phase? 
Well, yes, that is true. That weight is not necessarily fat, right? Because as you come out of these fat loss cycles, you're going to be more insulin sensitive. Therefore, you're going to be more prone to build muscle in those stages, right? And so assuming that you're not trying to earn your food and you're doing the correct type of exercises for muscle building or whatever, then it puts us in a place where we're building and holding on to lean mass, right? Even in my instance, so so I think most of you know that, you know, I mostly play pickleball. Um, I do some resistance training, nowhere near as much as many of you do. Um, but I can tell you, like, um, as I've moved to AP, you know, I've leaned out quite a bit and a big part of, you know, this is a big change in my approach because if you don't, if you didn't know, um, I didn't do a fat loss cycle for seven years. Part of the idea being to build muscle and, and, and then I got injured and there's a whole bunch of stories to that, right? And, and we all have those stories, by the way, right? That's the problem is that we all want this to be a linear process, but the reality is, is it's not. And if we can look, this is what we're really trying to do here. We want everyone to move to a lifetime approach rather than a car wash or a tune-up approach. Because let's be real, the car wash and tune-up approach isn't serving all of you well, right? And so what does it mean for AP? The goal is three months. If 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 you know, it has to be two and a half. Sure. Can you push it to four? Absolutely. We have always encouraged that, right? We have always encouraged longer breaks between cycles. And frankly, you know, we're just trying to get you to do the most correct thing so that you're not doing fat loss cycles every six months, right? So that we can move to one or two year cycles. Like, even in the scenario that I'm creating right now, you might move to a, a cycle, right? That is more of a cleanup um, after a year, right? Um, but normally you probably from experience might be in that process of being one year all the time. Sarah Hoffman does this really well, right? So Sarah Hoffman, Stephanie Burke, um, they will typically do, um, uh, you know, they, they get to a point where they run a fat loss cycle that, you know, to the best of their ability, but then one year later or one and a half year later, they'll do like a cleanup and then move back, right? So... That's what this does, is it gives you longer periods where you aren't dieting, which of course is the goal, I think, for everyone. Um, I, I know we all still have a little bit of the, the abusive relationship in the back of our minds that um, it's less that is better than more, but um, hopefully we're making some inroads in that internal dialogue. So that kind of gives you, um, and then obviously fat loss too, the goal is, is you know, eight weeks. Um, and so, 
um, a little bit longer, optional, right? So we can still stick with the six-week paradigm. Um, but what we want to do, what I think has happened for a lot of people, and, and I'll end on this note, and then we can get to Q&A. What I think has happened for a lot of people is they've moved, they never got their calories up high enough in AP, right? Or they're showing us kind of rainbow. Um, you know, when I say rainbow, I mean, you know, you look at their file and it's red, yellow, green, red, yellow, green, right? Um, what we need to do is kind of move to the point where um, we're pushing things in AP so that we can be done with, with these really super long cycles and then we can move to performance and in performance this will be this will be kind of a, the the main point here um we're not really pushing it the same way we would have pushed ap so if we push you let's say you know once again i'm using an extreme to 3000 we're not going to necessarily push you we're going to go a little bit slower as we come out because what are we trying to accomplish we're trying to accomplish a lifetime solution but we're also trying to, um, uh, we have more time to kind of build your ramp, right? But if in building your ramp, you know, you go off the rails multiple times and then you want to run another fat loss cycle in six months, it's sort of defeating the purpose, right? Because if you think about the way that we're going to coach you, we're coaching you slowly right um as we go and so kind of keep that in mind i did lose a little bit of track there uh, mentally on what one of my topics was so hopefully we'll uh we'll get back to that all right so let's go into q a i would love any questions specifically related to this i know that you know one of the things oh i i know what it was In fat loss two, it has become very common for people to get out of fat loss two, right? To bail on it, right? This is a fix for that. That's what I was gonna say, right? It's because the reason why you're bailing is because one, fat loss one hurt a little, right? So as you moved into um, AP, you wanted to kind of keep those gains and you didn't really push things. And then when you moved to fat loss too, you were still kind of hungry, right? You're still kind of not recovered from fat loss one. We need you to get recovered from these cycles. So that that's what I forgot. All right, Carolyn, if you could run me through the questions and then for all of you, that have been listening, I really prefer any questions that you might have that would help other people that are going to be listening to this three months from now as we move to what we think is a much better solution. So I have a question from Angie, um, who'd like you to speak about how to change, change your mindset to eating more in PR specifically and building up in these AP cycles when the goal is weight loss? Well, if the goal is weight loss, right, 
then we, we're talking about a math problem, right? So what you want is a wish, right? So you want a wish that under eating long-term is the better solution, right? The reality is, is that, you know, the, the most slept on concept in all of eat reform is that you're not doing fat loss, right? So you're, ha you're, you're even saying it, right? You're saying weight loss, right? We're not really concerned about weight loss. We're really concerned about fat loss, right? And so if we're concerned about fat loss in PR, we are addressing fat loss, even if your weight is up, right? Because like I just said, you have to gain weight to gain muscle. That's just, you know, uh, um, can you gain, gain muscle without gaining weight? Sure. Is it optimal? Not even close, right? So you have to kind of keep that in mind. I think the answer for you is to get away from the wish mentality and move more towards the science mentality or the correct path, right? And I think what that comes down to is addressing your core beliefs. Why is it that you can't feel comfortable now doing the more correct thing, right? Why are you in such a hurry, right, to move to this place that is like, um, it's like Narnia, right? It's like mythical, you know, um, I, I mean, I know there's probably going to be people out there that Narnia is real. Um, but but um, I, I think that's the answer, right? And I, I think that there's a certain amount of faking it till you make it. I think everyone on this call that's been here for a really long time will admit that, right? But what I can tell you is that you 100% know the other way is not good. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here. You wouldn't be a lifer, right? You know in your heart of hearts that this is the more correct answer. And so does that need affirmation as we go? Absolutely, right? It does that need. But I guess I would kind of ask you, are you happy now? Right. And if the answer to what you're saying is, no, I'm not because I weigh too much. Why is weight playing so heavily into your happiness? Right. Because there's a lot of people that are three, you know, I've, I've said this many times when I was 265 pounds, you would have liked me. I was fun. You know, um, the, I was happy. Right. Because of my overall happiness and mindset and things of this nature, I knew there was just something I didn't understand, right? Um, I, I've said this before. I'll go ahead and use the, the F word just because I think it makes a, a little bit more of an impact here. Um, but I told myself at 265 pounds, I'm too smart to be fat, right? Um, and at that point, it was like, okay, I have the power. I think a little bit of what your question is, is why don't I have the power? Why aren't these numbers working for me? 
why you, you see what I'm saying? Like there's there's all of these mythical ideas that are out there that are leading you to believe that maybe you're broken, you know, maybe you need a mindset shift, maybe you need to watch more motivational videos, something of that nature. Um, I would argue that much of that is the problem, right? When you look at very fit people, and you might be past this window, right? So think about, you know, some of the fittest people who often, by the way, have very bad relationships with food. Um, they have been doing it for a sustained period of time. And now when you see them at 45 with abs, you know, like Sarah Hoffman as a great example, she's been working out for a very long time. This is not something that is new to her, right? So what, what is one of the things that I really like a lot right now is you're just early in the process, right? But you do have to address the the wish mentality, the car wash mentality, the tune-up mentality. And we have to get to that point of a lifetime mentality. And the lifetime mentality is um, happiness should not be related to how much you weigh. It should be who you are as a person, right? It should be, and then if if you if you're struggling addressing that, you know, that's a bigger issue right um but anyone that has a thought i mean i'm not i'm not sitting here saying that that when you weigh a little bit less you know we've all been in those moments where things kind of kind of get away from you a little bit um and you do feel better weighing less but not because you weigh less it's because you took control of an uncontrollable situation I think that's an important caveat, right? And as long as we understand that we can mix in these moments of joy along the way, I think that that's a better solution. Because the reality is, is that many of the people that you see in social media, including Sarah Hoffman, by the way, Sarah Hoffman is a coach at Ethan Forum. Her incentives are in place, right, to um be very very fit and so if you're not being paid you know like some of these influencers are paid for you know ten thousand dollars a post then it should probably go off in your head well you know i don't necessarily have the incentives so what are my incentives what are the things that will move me to action or have me take a better long-term approach right because I think we can all agree that these short-term fixes, you know, weren't the answer and ultimately, you know, caused more problems than they solved. And, and in a lot of cases, they ended up kind of derailing people for a really long time, um, or they ended up with an eating, a version of an eating disorder as a result. And I would argue that there is no middle, that, that <laughs> that's the only two options right? Um, because I think that we have a much bigger problem with eating disorders than most people think. Um, Jess is asking, um, 
she's saying that's what I'm trying to wrap my head around as a new lifetime member. When I have a lot of weight to lose, 40 plus pounds, do you go between fat loss, AP fat loss? Is there all, um, or is there always a PR phase? What's the time frame you spend in PR before you are going back to fat loss? So in that instance, I mean, I guess we kind of have to have a discussion of what does 40 pounds mean? So let's say that you're 160 and you think you should be 120. Very possible that at 140, you would have better body composition, right? Maybe that, you know, 120 is kind of a deterrent to what your better goals would be. So it's, there's a lot of people that believe that they need to lose 40 pounds, right? And I am going to answer the 40 pound question, but we need to have the discussion of why 40 pounds, right? Because if I could get you 10 pounds of muscle plus 30 pounds of loss, would that work? Because it should, right? Um, and so, so I think we have to kind of keep that in mind as we go. But uh, I feel like sometimes people have 40 plus pounds as a gun to their head, right? I'm going to get there. I'm going to be happy. The reality is, is that if you lose 40 pounds, you're going to gain some weight after that 40 pounds. And you might lose some weight after that 40 pounds, right? It, it's, it, you know. But the majority of people do kind of gain weight. You know, think about, you know, a lot of the programs that, that previously you would have done. You would have lost 40 pounds and then, you know, you're going to celebrate a little bit or once again, things are going to go off the rails or we're going to go down the eating disorder, you know, um, mind shaft, right? So that's where we have to have that discussion. Okay. So how would we address someone that has a lot of weight to lose? So I'm not going to use your 40 pound example, though this is how it would work. Um, I'm going to give you the example of somebody with 100 pounds to lose because I think that that's actually more helpful. And then you can kind of grade it as you go, right? Because, you know, do you need to lose 40 pounds now or do you need to lose 40 pounds eventually, right? And once again, are we talking about weight or are we talking about fat? Because we should be talking about fat, not weight, right? And I would probably imagine that you could stand to lose or stand to gain 10 pounds of muscle, right? I mean, um, having better, more defined abs, more defined biceps, shoulders, things of like that, glutes, those would almost always be um, well received. So, um, but basically, if you had 100 pounds to lose, um, you could run a cycle every six months, right? So that's what we do. We basically just shorten the cycle, right? Now, we'll say a lot of people that are in that situation, they lose, let's say, you know, 30 to 40 pounds in fat loss one and fat loss two, they move to PR, they're still losing weight just not at that same rate, but they kind of like what it's doing for their body, what it's doing for their spirit, what it's doing for their understanding. So they're not particularly excited to start in six months, right? So 
So then you go, well, okay, but I told you I had 40 pounds to lose, not 100 pounds. Well, you would still kind of want to grade it around the same, right? So, so if you don't have as much to lose, you really want that cycle to be longer because you can afford it, right? So if you lose 20 pounds, I'm pretty sure you're going to be happy with the fact that you lost 20 pounds and that you're willing to take a more deliberate approach as a result, right? And so um, that's the answer, is that it's always kind of rinse and repeat as you go, but don't default to the solution for a 100 plus person, because let's say that you're starting at 180 and now you get to 160. I guarantee you, everyone in your life will know that you've lost not only 20 pounds, but you probably gained some muscle as a result also, right? So that is the answer to that question. Um, there's a couple client questions in here in regards to the um, different phases and how long they are, and Becky has addressed them here. Um, I have one last one from Juanita, who's asking, I'm not sure if this is a good question for this topic, how should workouts change through these cycles? If there is a podcast I can listen to for this, um, let me know. But she's asking about your workouts through the cycles. So you have to, there's a, there, it's a great question, first of all. Um, and I think that that changes over time. So um, for those that, don't know, I started off in um, with CrossFit, right? Um, I did kind of some weightlifting, right, with a personal trainer for almost two years. Um, my deadlift, as an example, um, never got over 150 pounds. Um, if you know anything about me, once I moved to CrossFit, um, I got to 415 within six months. Um, I then moved to powerlifting about two years later and lifted over 500 pounds. I remember there was one person that is a fairly well-known trainer here in the Twin Cities. And he was like, you should join my gym. And I said, I, I don't think I should join your gym. And he's like, why not? I said, because in your gym, I would be deadlifting 275 pounds, right? So the personal trainer that I was working with was so focused on form and, and things of this nature. And to be completely honest with you, he was focused on his paycheck, right? Like, like if he could just drag this out as long as possible, right? And this is where I can relate to all of you, right? It just wasn't happening fast enough for a proof of concept, right? And so I did not believe in this guy's approach because it didn't seem reasonable to me that I shouldn't be able to pick up more than 150 pounds off of the ground, right? And then the fact that I ended up lifting more than 500 kind of proved the point. Right. So what was the difference between 150, 415 and 500? 
It was the people I was around. Just the people that I was around. Like, for instance, when I moved to powerlifting, I was with world-class powerlifters. Every woman that I worked out with lifted more than me. Every single one. Um, and, you know, I'm still a man, right? It was emasculating, you know, to have this happen. Now, I'm just going to tell you, this is the elite of the elite. This is the best of the best, you know. So at no point ever did I feel less than because I'm working with world champions, you know. Um, but I was still a man and I still wanted to. And, and once I got to 500 or 500 plus, I was actually starting to outlive, you know, some of the bottom rung, you know, that were um, maybe a little leaner. You know, they they operated at lower weight classes or something like that. And those, those were big moments for me. Um, but what I think happens and I know a little bit about your situation from your posts and 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 looking online. Um, right now, it's very motivating to work out a certain way to see results, right? Like you will do things right now in this moment that you do not love for a specific result, right? And and I would argue that maybe you do love it, right? Right now. Um, I can tell you that that changes and it should change as you go, right? Um, like I've mentioned, you know, to go from CrossFit to powerlifting to bodybuilding, then somewhat to CrossFit and then to pickleball is a big adjustment, right? But to me, the volume of work always makes a difference. And I'll, I'll just be honest with you. Like if, if you want to go now, I just need to tell you that what I'm about to say to you is not your normal average person, right? So when you play pickleball for three to four hours a day, it has a different result on your body than if you go and casually play with friends for an hour, right? We're having two different discussions in that instance, right? Like I literally love the sessions where my body gets beat up pretty hard, where the very next day I'm walking around, you know, like the oldest person on the planet. Because I know that with good sleep, good rest, my body's going to recover and I'm going to get better at what I'm doing. So you have to do what you love. Um, how should your workouts change? Well, if we're talking about adding muscle, then we have to move to more sets and reps and a little bit more bodybuilding. Does that mean that you exclusively do that and don't do cardio? No, right? Like even in the instance where I'm at right now, um, you know, I've been able to maintain muscle, actually hold on to muscle, even build a little bit, even though I'm just playing pickleball. Um, I am trying to mix in more resistance training so far. It's only been mostly body weight work, um, partially because 
Um, the last time I tried to mix in weightlifting, um, I got hurt. And so I was kind of out of pickleball for two months, which, you know, isn't the goal. Um, so I think anything that you do, well, one, if it's working, keep doing that, right? Um, but two, if you're looking for optimal body composition, you're going to want to decrease the cardio, right? And you're going to want to increase sets and reps as you go. So you want to be in that 8 to 12 range. Great example. So I'm working out, you know, it, if you get a chance, man, go work out with world-class people, right? Or just be around them, you know, just because you'll see, like, the difference between what you do and what they do. So this is so hilarious. I, I don't think I've ever told this story before. So it's this young kid. He's a bodybuilder, and he's training for a competition. And so um, I'm using these hammer strength machines that are really good for lat and lat development. And so I did my standard probably, I'm going to go 100 to 150 reps between the three machines, right? So kind of got a good little activation. This dude, I'm going to say he probably did 2,000 reps, right? Or just like backwards lats, traps, that kind of stuff. 2,000 reps, right? And I just did 150. And I was like, oh, well, that's why he gets to look the way that he looks and why I look the way I look. Also, by the way, he was like 24. Um, and um, I think that, you know, when you're 24 and and maybe, I mean, you know, once again, what are the incentives? Well, for him, he has a high incentive, right? He's looking for a mate. So the bodybuilding is not a particularly rewarding thing. He's not, you know, getting money for that per se. There is actually more of an avenue for that now because of Instagram. But at that time, um, there really wouldn't have been, you know. And so his incentive is really more, you know, attracting a mate, you know, which is a big incentive. You know, um, and so I think when we talk about what is optimal, we have to go, are my incentives in place? If not, then how can I move them in a direction where they're more correct? Or am I willing to be 80%, right? And then I think what happens is you'll get to a place where you go, I see other things. I think you should always be auditioning something new, right? Pilates is a good example. Hot yoga is a good example, right? Because if you find something you love, you will do it more, right? So doing something that you don't like to see a result that you may have a wrong impression of like for instance, being being that it will make you happy, um, will will often not have that result, 
you'll become derailed. You will not work out for three to six months, as an example, because you get frustrated because the process, you know, like I said, with that trainer, you know, his proof of concept just wasn't working. Like there wasn't changes happening for me and my body. And the reason why there wasn't changes was because he wasn't pushing me hard enough, right? And he wasn't getting me to that point where, you know, I was getting in enough volume to make a difference, you know? And so you got to ask yourself, do am I, am I the 2000 rep person, right? Am I, am I willing to do that? Right. Um, because the answer probably is no for almost everybody on this call. Right. There was a guy, you can Google him. Um, you know, he, he <laughs> please Google him because uh, what I'm going to say to you, you would not expect um, by Googling. His name is Marshall Freak Show Johnson. He was one of my workout partners. And I believe he has squatted 1,250 pounds. Um, he has this gigantic, like, bold nose ring. Um, he's got tattoos everywhere. And he's, like, the sweetest guy I've ever met. Um, everybody knew why Marshall was better than all of us. Every single person. It was because when we stopped working out, he was still working out. Right. And he worked out for four to five hours every single session. Right. Um, not every day. Right. Because he had to allow for recovery. Because obviously, when you're lift, you know, or at least working to lift um, 1,200 pounds, you know, you're still working at reps at 900 to 1,000. That's a significant beating on your body. Right. But you know, I don't know that, you know, and I am addressing your question, I believe. I just don't know that we as average people trying to do the more correct thing should really hold ourselves to elite standards, right? Um, I know that that's a big thing within CrossFit, right? Where we should all hold ourselves to the highest standard. That's a lie. Go to any CrossFit gym and you're going to see that there's three people that are crushing it. And then there's, you know, 50 to 60 people, some of which are in the back, you know, lifting the bar. And they've been at CrossFit for two years, right? They're just not pushing it. I used to have a judgment on that, right? Like, why aren't they pushing themselves to be better and, and things of this nature? Why aren't they eating more food? Because I know that they're under eating most of the time. I mean, I'm with them in social settings. I see what they eat. I see how they eat. Um, I think everybody has their own journey, right? I think everybody has their own process. You know, a little bit of that proof of concept that I was talking about with that personal trainer was a little bit, I'm absolutely certain that he was basing it off of my drive and my incentive, right? Um, I, I, I definitely, when we ended our session after 30 minutes, I didn't go to him, whoa, whoa, let's do another two hours here, buddy, right? Um, I was happy to leave and go get my recovery shake, <laughs> whatever I thought was necessary for the minimal 
volume that I was doing at that time. Um, and so it might move you a lot right now because you're seeing a lot of results to do some things that you don't want to do. But I would highly challenge you to either kind of see if you really love that part because there are a lot of people that just love bodybuilding. I mean, it is, I will tell you, it is very satisfying, you know, even in the case of 150 reps to go into that bathroom, take your shirt off and your muscles are swollen and you go, I did something and I look better as a result of that. That is addicting, you know, um, but it's similarly addicting when you start to put together a lot of the skills that you've been working on in something like tennis or pickleball, right? Um, and and then you have an awful day the next day and you go, how did I lose it all? You know, um, but I think that part of the process that we all have is just this process of gradually getting better. We want this, we, we desperately want, this kind of goes back to the first question. We desperately want for it to all happen immediately. And, and the reality is um, it doesn't work like that. And, and it's that that is actually costing us the long-term results, right? And so hopefully that helps because I think that you'll be better served working with the things that you're loving as you're going um, and then changing to things that you love more as you go. Um, I mean, like Allison's saying, pickleball is life. And, and, and that is true, but Allison's also really good. You know, there's a lot of people that, you know, it's, it's funny because I'm in I'm in these pickleball groups, and I'm in one group that is very serious about pickleball, and it's hilarious, right? Because they they you know they watched this show on CBS the other day, which was like this charity event, and it was mostly meant to be funny. It's not, you know, oh my goodness, what a travesty! You know, they made a mockery of this beautiful name, like calm down okay it's called pickleball you know um it, it it is fun if you like it it's it's way more competitive than you might think um allison will get a kick out of this um i told becky this story um for those that don't know pickleball is a very small court it's one third the size of a tennis court and so, and, and most of the game, if you're good, is played within a 14 feet section. So you're literally right in front of the other person. So Carolyn's shaking her head, yes. So Carolyn is right in front of me and I'm right in front of her. So she hits the ball at me really hard. I block the ball. So this is what happened in this scenario. So I block the ball. Um, she hits it to me again, kind of pops it up, and then I hit the ball down, not specifically to Carolyn, but to this woman that I'm talking about, and um, and I had to lean back, but it was kind of a slam, and it hit her in her shoulder, 
And because it was three times, she got really, really mad at me. And um, she called me the other F word, not fat. Um, and was really, really mad. Now, I will say, and I think Carolyn Allison, anybody who plays pickleball here will admit, when you get hit by the ball, it does give you that kind of adrenaline thing and you do get mad. You don't like it, right? It's not fun. You know, so I definitely get that. Um, but she kind of carried it on. And, and I said, lady, you know, I apologize, but, you know, I wasn't trying to hurt you, you know. And it's just like, like I told this story to my cousin and my cousin was laughing and he just thought it was funny. And I, by the way, I thought the woman's reaction was actually pretty hilarious um, because, you know, she just carried it on. It was so obvious that there's no way, like her husband was trying to calm her down and say, hey, look, you know, there's no way this dude is trying to hurt you. But my cousin's laughing and um, he says, you know, he's like, this is a great story, you know, about how competitive pickleball is. He's like, but I just can't get over the fact that it's called pickleball, you know? And I think that that's true, right? Like, I, I, I think that you you just don't think that there would be like this competitive side. The, the reality is a lot of people that used to play tennis at a pretty high level, they come in and they usually are pretty good at it, you know? And so, um, I definitely have always believed in a, in a big diversity of things that you do to try and find the things that you love and, and, you know, I hike and weightlift and all these other types of things. And I would encourage all of you to do all of those things. Um, but there is going to be something that you fall in love with and it might not get you to your optimal body composition, but it might change the quality of your life so much that you have no idea why you would ever do anything different. I think there's way too much going on in all of our heads related to happiness, related to kind of quick fix mentality and stuff like this. And so, you know, if we could start to get past that, that is a big part of that mindset shift. We did get a, a few responses. I don't think they were necessarily questions, but can you read those? Uh, um, Carolyn, and then we can move. We'll just shut it down after that. Yeah, Sarah was just saying, uh, once again, your advice is so real. I can relate to so many things that you've said here. Reminds me that I need to check in with my why and make the choices to align with that. Thank you, Paul. Um, Jess is saying, yes, um, yes, the wish talk is sinking in. Thank you. And Angie is saying she's got, she doesn't love the calluses. I hope that's from lifting and, and not from pickleball. Yeah, I don't even know how you would get a callus from pickleball, but I will say that you will get marks. Um, so this was, this was actually funny. We'll leave on this note. Um, the very next day, um, you know, once again, you know, you're just in this situation, you're going to get hit by the pickleball, right? It's not fun. Some people quit because they don't like getting hit, getting hit by pickleball. Very next day, we're playing. Um, it's all men. Um, and I must have hit this guy, Jeff, who, who was huge. He's like 6'6", six, six, right? He's 6'6". Six, six. He's probably 
270. So he, he takes up a lot of space in a very little court, you know, and I must have hit him like five or six times. Not always hard, but but I hit him multiple times to the point where we were both laughing. And at the end of the thing, I said, if you need me to, I'll write a note to your wife, you know, to explain what happened to you and that I apologize. Um, but it was so funny how he, you know, took it and laughed and thought it was like the funniest thing that happened. And then pr the previous day, the woman was like, I was attacking her, you know, and, um, and I think some of it is, um, you know, whenever, whenever you're crossing male to female interactions, you know, that those interactions tend to, tend to, can get a little squirrely, you know, because 100% the woman thought I was attacking her because she was a female, not realizing that I'm just attacking. Um, yeah, Allison's saying, so it's called getting tagged, right? And so um, she's saying that she gets tagged almost every time, but the reason why she gets tagged is because Allison plays at a pretty high level, right? So like, for instance, when you play at a high level, you're playing very up close to the other person. It's very common when you're new or you're a beginner to stay back. So you're not going to get tagged as much because you're farther back, right? And so um, just a little inside uh, uh, baseball for, for that. But all right, I appreciate everybody being here. Um, always so special after one of these big lifetime pushes. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it's such a thing that we feel grateful for. I will tell you, I've said this many times for the longest time, people were very much against lifetime. I've always believed that it was a core piece of what we do because all of you are the fundamental base or the foundations of what we do. And so I really appreciate it. But but the other thing too is that, you know, a lot of people talk about all the improvements that we've made over the years. If it wasn't for lifetime, we wouldn't have been able to make those improvements, right? Because to me, advances in software, advances in what we can we can, you know, offer or Egyptian kitchen, things of this nature, you know, I, I don't need a Lamborghini, right? I need family meals to come, right? I need, you know, um, uh, machine learning within the app. You know, those are the things that move me. So I appreciate everybody being here. Cannot say thank you enough for all the support. And uh, I hope everybody enjoys their weekend. Talk to you later.